This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR 8.55am. Digital live streaming and a whole slew of ways that you can listen to 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a little show about bicycles, cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. On today's show, I'm going to be talking to Carlton Reid about a emerging, quite problematic issue of autonomous vehicles and what is required for autonomous vehicles to actually work in uh, our streets. It is such a thorny issue and we do our best to unpack something that it's quite delicate to even speak about. And this is running off um, a car show in Europe where in where a... Uh, bike industry leader spoke about the need for beacons on bicycles and this is in sharp contrast to uh, also a very emerging news of um, what autonomous cars can and cannot do if you've been uh, watching the news that came out of Arizona last week to do with a apparently autonomous Uber driver not seeing or the car not detecting a woman walking across the road and the subsequent fallout from that we do have some good news, is that the uh, Sparks Reserve connection for the Derebin Yarra Trail is finally open. Now, that's been on the cards since, ooh, the 1920s. And Yarrabug, we've been part of that community coalition to get that happening. So apparently people are out there already using it. It was open yesterday on Sunday, and it's absolutely fabulous that we get these connections. But there's so many other things around Melbourne and Victoria which still need those connections. And on the subject of... Uh, you know, autonomous things and, uh, well, needing a transponder to watch things. Well, I've got to admit, the, um, on recent shows you may have heard that we're talking about an event uh, that people are doing, previously known as the Indian Pacific Wheel Race, which has, has no organisers. People are organising themselves and still riding the route, which started a week ago over in Fremantle. Abdullah is coming through... Laventon North, as I speak. Um, I'm just having trouble trying to uh, refresh because I think this uh, studio is indeed a little Faraday cage. And uh, Abdullah's coming through Melbourne now. That's one week from Fremantle, so it's absolutely incredible. But with um, anyone doing this race, or I should say self-supported ride at the moment, it's entirely voluntary. It's entirely voluntary that they have transponders where you can watch what they're doing. Uh, next, I'm going to be speaking to Carlton Reid, where we're talking about a future which looks, well, to use a well-known phrase at the moment, extremely problematic. You're listening to 3CR Radio.
today on Yarra Basel News Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. I'm speaking to Carlton Reid from the UK. Carlton, how's it there today? Chris, it is fantastic. We have got some nice spring weather. Thank you for asking. Good, because we finally got some rain in Melbourne. Now we've got the small talk out of the way. The thing that is why I contacted you was an article in bikebiz.com, which uh, you are editor of or you're the owner of? I used to be the owner. I sold it about 11 years ago and I was kept on. I'm technically, I'm the editor at large. So I I do weird and wonderful things all over the world. And uh, I'm not actually contracted to the magazine. I can do lots of other things as well. So I I have the the beauty of uh, of being completely free to uh, go where I want. Say what I, I want to do. Upset who I want to do, upset. Be nice to who I want to be nice to. Now, we're getting into the topic of upsetting. Anyway, there was an article that was in Bike Biz that absolutely floored me when I read it a couple of days ago. And this came out on March 22nd. All cyclists will need to fit detection beacons, says Cycle Industry Boss. Bicycles will definitely have to communicate with other vehicles, says was it Combi's general manager. Now that just absolutely floored me when I when I read that because this isn't what can we say upon the background of the what's been discussed in the last week or so to do with autonomous vehicles is the terrible incident that happened in Arizona where a Uber driver hit a woman who was walking a bike across the road at night and there's a lot more to that that's come out subsequently but I read this alongside that news and I'm just aghast are humans capable keeping abreast of technological change on our roads especially in the cities where most of this sort of stuff will pertain to it's it's certainly tough I mean the the incident in Tempe Arizona absolutely highlights that we are an awful long way away from autonomous vehicles really being it should be like shouldn't, shouldn't be out on the streets if, if they're killing people they shouldn't be out there they, they should be tested uh, away from public streets until th- they can actually communicate with pedestrians and with cyclists without having which is the topic of this conversation without having beacons because yes. clearly the woman who was going across the road there she was actually a homeless woman pushing a bicycle, probably wasn't going to be riding that bicycle, Was you had her shopping bags on it. So it's, you know, somebody who's unwaged, somebody who is on the fringes of society is very much less likely to, it's not going to be like a, you know, a, a lycra clad roadie who is, is going to have a beacon. He's going to pay for anything to make himself or herself safe on the road. But it's when we're talking about, yeah, but not everybody can afford that. Not everybody exactly. can fit that. And you're going to be allowing just everybody else to be dead meat as long as you're safe. Yes. How ethically sound is that? And I would say it's 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 not ethically sound. Yes, because we're getting into discussions. I don't know what I think it might parallels might be similar from here in Australia's perspective, but in the UK and America and Europe, we're constantly being told that autonomous vehicles are our future and they will be safer. And this is stuff is coming whether we want it or not. Now, I think we would be in furious agreement if, to say, like, people who drive vehicles already have enough uh, difficulty or to deal, you know, the interactions between cyclists and pedestrians and wheeled pedestrians, whatever term you want to call it. Now we're bringing in this extra technological 
thing over the top. And as you just brilliantly pointed out, this is something that makes me quite angry when we get into technological divides, who can afford and who cannot afford, and the the victims of this, potential inverted consequences. Can you just tell me more about this beacon thing that's just absolutely blown my mind? It blew up on social media and yeah. it, the piece did go viral. Mm. And I have subsequently rode back a slight bit in that I've added in I've just recently a, a definition of the beacons. Because I think, I think mm. many people were assuming that this is something, you know, you have to go to buy to your bike shop, you know, and it, it's a bulky thing. It has batteries. You put it on your bike and it then communicates with with the cars today who have a, you know, some sort of uh, device that monitors these things or the autonomous vehicles of the future. That is the technology. You can actually get those devices now. Uh, one of them is called Cycle Aware in the UK. I'm sure every single country's uh, got them, but it's not, it doesn't have to be that. So it doesn't have to be an RFID chip. Uh, it can be many other forms of technology. So the technologies are not settled on this at all. This is what, this is what this, this uh, Kanibi guy is trying to do. He's trying to get his feet under the table to work on the technologies here. So other forms of the technology are just a smartphone app. So in effect, if you if you take the extrapolate the technology forward, you want to go out for a ride, you want to pop to the shops, you want to do anything, then if you want to don't get killed, then you fire up your smartphone, you hit the app that is then going to be transmitting your data and off you go for a ride. Or, and, and this is where you extrapolate even further, well, that's when you go for a walk also. And then it's like, well, hang on, but that means uh, kangaroos, that means lampposts, that means everything's got to have a smartphone app because you're still going to be hitting every other object on the road. And, and are we really talking about all children, all dogs, all uh, wild animals, just everything having some form of uh, radio device? Of course, as we all know, with smartphones, even now there's this anxiety when our smartphones run out of battery. Well, that's just because we can't get Facebook up. In the future, if this technology uh, come, is allowed to come to fruition, it's not going to be, oh, we can't get Facebook up. Oh, I can't post that you know, nice photograph of a, a, a spring lamb to Twitter. It's going to be, oh, my God, I'm going to die because the cars can no longer see me. And that is a dystopian future. So no matter which way the, the cycle industry says, well, you know, we're, we're talking to the car industry to, you know, to make cyclists safe, it's like, are you really thinking this through? Yes, you should be talking to these guys. Shouldn't you be also be warning about the dystopian future that actually this technology predicts? I'm a happy idiot, I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR... Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. We had to bring it back to perspective of this uh, person who was uh, the general manager of the Confederation of the European Bicycle Industry. He was speaking at this, uh, was it car... Symposium. It was the, it was the Geneva, Geneva, yeah. Geneva Motor Show. So it's the major motor show yeah. in Europe, uh, annual motor show. It, it's where all the, the, the autonomous vehicle technologies, all the shiny smart stuff, uh, you know, the concept cars, they're being launched. So it was a symposium off the side of that on the opening day of the show. So you've got all the ICT technology experts, all the telecommunication experts who are required. You know, it's not just an automotive thing. This is a telecommunication thing. Mm. 
Uh, and then you have all the car makers who are in there and you've got government regulators who were there. So all of the big hitters in autonomous vehicles were in this this particular symposium. Towards the close of the end of the day, I think there was one speaker after Manuel uh, Marsilio came on. Uh, he put the cycle industry's point of view and one of the companies he was able to pinpoint and say, look, they're doing this and this is quite correct, are Trek. So Trek are working uh, with Tome Software yeah. and Tome Software wants an industry standard. So they want to be the, the, the first movers on this to do an industry standard, open standard that uh, will communicate. So it's called B2V. So bicycles to vehicles, uh, because what uh, the autonomous vehicle people and and just even for vehicles now are trying to work on are you know, every single lamppost, every, everything out there, every uh, traffic light, everything will have a chip in it in the future and will communicate with every other lamppost, but more critically with every other car. The technology we think of as, as for autonomous vehicles being the clever stuff, which is the LIDAR, the radar, yeah. the cameras, actually, as we've seen from Tempe, Arizona, don't actually work in the way that we think they work. They are just an adjunct. In effect, you're going to have to have everything beaming out uh, its position uh, to, for autonomous vehicles. But this is what, this is really what well, in the future that's that's what you need for autonomous vehicles. Is every single thing in the whole world needs to have some form of beacon. In that respect, uh, you're going to have a dystopian future because everything's got to be chipped. That then becomes such a difficult thing to do. But the bike industry with track and with tome software are trying to do this and of course they're doing it from a very laudable perspective and, and you can't fault them for this in many respects in that they want cyclists track want their customers to be safe and if they provide a beacon that makes them safe well why would they not want to do that so what bolshy people like me you and others who are talking on this story are saying, well, yeah, that's fine for, say, Trek's customers, but not everybody's a Trek customer. Somebody is also going to be buying a crappy supermarket bike, which will never have this technology. Well, certainly not you know, until many years in the future. So are we saying the buyers of high end, because it will be a high end thing to begin with, the high end buyers of high end Trek bicycles, they're the ones we're going to keep safe. Everybody else you're dead meat, you're game to be run down, which is what you're saying. The companies will, of course, say, no, we're just providing the technology and it's up to users to fit these if they want. It's their own safety at stake after all. But this technology, if you absolutely look at it with common sense eyes, this technology only works when everything is chipped. It does not work when there's only Trek customers. It just it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. Even though Manuel has has today and, and today's bike this story has said he's not actually in favor, the industry's not in favor of compulsion for these things. Logically, the only way they will actually work in the future is if it's compulsory. Every single thing has got to have a beacon, a, a, a transmitter in it, because it, it's it's like inoculations. They only work, the herd immunity oh, only yes. works when everybody is inoculated. You're listening to 3CR Radio.
Marxism 18 is Australia's biggest radical left-wing conference, happening March 29th to April 1st in Melbourne. The conference will feature founding editor of Jacobin magazine, Bhaskar Sunkara, Australian writer Helen Razor, Palestinian activist Huwaida Araf, and films celebrating 50 years since the struggles of 1968. Join radicals and activists for political discussion in over 100 sessions across four days. Tickets start at $25 and are available at marxismconference.org. Red Flag Press is a 3CR supporter. bring out an analogy here and it's just something that's been like crawling around the back of my mind for since I've been reading about this topic is that the tech bros would be absolutely salivating over this of all these different processes apps software disruption whatever they could bring into this because there's a lot of money to be made if this gets picked mm-hmm. up if mm-hmm. because at the moment I don't know if this is a good or a clumsy analogy for IT, but it just reminds me of some of the stuff that was going on from the mid to late nineties with a lot of you know, orphan technology and stuff. You know, those things come out and then they disappeared. Are we seeing another phase of this, or do you really think this thing's got legs? You're right to pinpoint that. And again, if you start thinking about why these tech companies are wanting to do this, and and you look at the current Facebook stories that are circulating of of why Facebook, in effect, exists. And that is to harvest people's very private data and then sell it back to advertisers. Well, the very same thing and the same fear is absolutely well worth raising on this, because if in the future we, to be not killed, have to have beacons on our bikes or have to have our smartphones uh, pumping out our location so people don't kill us, well, that means our location is absolutely out there on a database. So we can no longer say, turn off our our smartphone and say, well, we're no longer being tracked right now because we'll die. So you've got to have your smartphone on at all times. You are able to then be tracked. So again, that raises very, very, very obvious privacy concerns. Just the fact that you are then tracking people, well, that's big data that you can use to again amalgamate and sell back to whomever is interested in the movements of people. How many times... You know, did Carlton use his bike last week? Oh, we can we can check on the database. He's probably going to be in need of um, some spare inner tubes. Okay, we'll send him an email about that. And it's that kind of the granularity of of that is is potentially for some people liberating. For other people, and the the Facebook thing is showing to those other people, maybe that uh, they were right. It's very worrying that the technologies are not always there to do good. This yeah. is potential to do bad. Well, there's two analogies I'd like to bring up, or two two examples, not analogies. One to do with sat-nav navigation stuff, uh, car navigation. We've had several things in the last 10 years here in Australia where people were ending up in all sorts of horrible situations because they followed sat-nav. Now, Australia is an extraordinarily large country, and it's not a good idea sometimes not to understand where you're going because you can end up a long way away from water and help. The other one I want to bring up, and you would be very aware of this, was with Straffer, people getting their bicycles stolen because mm-hmm. you didn't turn it off when before you got to wherever you live and people knew that you had a very expensive bike. And you just finish your ride, you're having a shower, and they come. Th- there needs to be more ethicists involved in this. So I'm, while I'm Very glad, much so. 
Well, I'm glad that the bike industry is talking to the automotive industry, and it's it's jaw jaw, not war war. Absolutely, I agree with that. There are not enough completely dispassionate ethicists involved in this. There are not enough common sense people without any skin in the game in mm. this who can point out the very obvious flaws in going down this this beaconize everything. So when you get a bunch of experts in the same room, so you get the the telecommunications experts, clearly you've got skin in the game, yep. automotive experts, they want to drive faster, they've got skin in the game, and then the bike industry, a very much a small player in this, you know, as I said, put on it at the end of the day. Fantastic that Manuel has got his feet under the table, but still a bit player. When we are in effect, and we as in the bike industry, when we are co-opted into all of this, it does become potentially a, a, a slippery slope because yep. there's not enough people out there without skin in the game to point out to all these people the actual potential downsides to all their clever tech. If we are being led by people who only want us to sell you know, the, the, the smartest electric bikes, which are going to have all the latest gizmos on them, including beacons, which is one way you could think of uh, why the industry wants to to be involved with the automotive world and why car companies want everybody to drive faster because they sell more cars and why the, the telecommunications experts are involved in this. Well, of course they are because they want to sell more more bandwidth. But we haven't got pedestrian groups in there. We haven't got cycling user groups there. We've got the industry there, which I'm part of the industry. I should be applauding this somewhat. I am applauding it. But we also need user groups there. We need many other people to these uh, decision-making bodies that are deciding our future. These people, that's what they don't reckon. They get very annoyed with me for writing these kind of stories. And I know why they get annoyed with me. However, they are deciding our future. And I am going to carry on writing robust articles. And in fact, I haven't actually written a robust article on this yet. What I've written so far has pretty much just been what they've said. And I would say that Manuel, I, I don't know if you want to, to carry on publishing this, but from my point of view, I'm happy to say this. He has been hoist by his own petard in that he said stuff to a motoring audience that I... I assume he wouldn't have said to a cycling audience. However, the, uh, his hoisting of his petard is on the technology front in that YouTube then broadcast what he said. I am able to watch his full presentation on YouTube. So I wasn't there at the time, but I could watch it via technology. I could then get the transcript of YouTube, get every single word that he said, and then come up with my story. And then, of course, ask him to to flesh that out with, with stuff afterwards. But basically, I got him to say what he said at the conference. And he's since tried to row back from, you know, we don't want compulsion, we don't want this. If you actually look at his actual words, what he said in front of an automotive technology uh, conference, yes, he did say that. That's the inference of what he said. So I haven't written a piece where I've, I've actually said what I've said on this this uh, this broadcast here now. I have just let the, the players in this say their own stuff and then for other people to then pick up on that. So you are teasing out what I think and I haven't written anything about what I think yet. I'm, I'm, I'm holding my fire on that because I'm quite happy for these guys to actually go out and put their point of view first. 
I am worried about that, that, that point of view. That's why I am quoting them at length. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. Pleased to talk. We made the time today to have a chat about this. It's just so many landmines in this. I mean, I could just bring in all these clumsy analogies. As cyclists, or as in people who like to choose the right bikes, we have difficulty enough getting proper strategy, funded infrastructure, not just bike plans that don't have any legacy and don't get funded. We have enough trouble with political will, let alone something like this just coming over the top of us. And we don't have it. Like you said, these other people have got skin in the game. They've got the money. Cyclists and pedestrians end up being marginalised in horrific ways that I do not want to see in the future. And that the future, that, that word, is, is what we're talking about here, in that this story has ramifications for mobility of both pedestrians and cyclists in the future. Now, again, I, I always look at these things from multiple points of view, and I always give everybody's point of view. And one of the points of view that could be raised is, well, if cyclists uh, are, are talking here and talking to these other groups and can get their point of view across, that's got to be a good thing. However, it's also potential that you could be co-opted. So it's the Kanibi and it's not just a European thing. So Kanibi is part of the World Bicycle Industries Association, which Australia, America, everybody else is involved in. So this is something that has global ramifications. Uh, this could be something that everybody will be affected by sooner rather than later. And it could be that that point you made about we don't get enough stuff from government as is in the future. Maybe it's a quid pro quo in that we will have to maybe give up some civil liberties. In other words, fit beacons if we want to, say, get bike paths. You know, there might be some sort of thing in the future where if you give up this, we will give you that. But you're going to have to, you know, do this or we certainly aren't going to give you that. So these conversations are coming. I have been warning about this technology for actually quite a few years. In, in, I wrote an article for the European Cyclist Federation in 2016. I've certainly written about it in my books where I predicted we would have we would be chipped. There isn't that much of a a difference of having to have your smartphone on at all times otherwise you will die if you walk around the city or if you cycle around the city and having a chip implanted in your head people might say oh that's just scare tactics of course there's a huge difference it's like well is there really much of a difference between those two technologies and because people say well we don't mean beacons we don't mean beacons we just mean smartphones well that woman who was crossing the road in tempe arizona with her bicycle and her shopping bags I pretty much guarantee she didn't have a smartphone. I pretty much guarantee she's never going to have a smartphone. She's never going to have any form of chip. So again, want of a better phrase, why throw these people under a bus? Why are we only going to be protecting the most technologically savvy, the richest people in society? This has huge ethical 
ramifications. We've got to actually talk these things through before the technologists push it through. And we know for a fact that governments are pushing this through because they see autonomous vehicles as the shiny future. And, you know, that's going to solve congestion. It's going to solve everything. You, if you if you read there, then you have official government press releases. And it's like, you know, we need to get the ethicist involved here to, to have a good conversation about what we really genuinely want in the future. And if you want a future of, in effect, motorways everywhere and you, you'll never be able to have you never be able to walk across the street unless you go to an RFID chipped post and if you don't go via that rfid chipped post it's your fault if you die that is one part of the the future and that's already happening in that you know the tempe police chief uh was talking about this case was already saying well she didn't cross at a crosswalk the victim blaming was instant and it's like we're going to get that in the future but a gazillion times bigger and that's what we've got to be absolutely cognizant of and perhaps against What do you think people should be thinking or doing now? Pushing for a seat at the table at the same, in the same spaces that uh, the uh, ICT industries, the automotive industries, and now the bike industries are doing. Because these things are being done behind closed doors, in effect. So our future has been decided by, yeah, a bunch of tech bros in suits. But it's basically been decided uh, without user groups. So it's the tech groups that are deciding the future, uh, the user groups. So bicycle advocates, pedestrian advocates, uh, livable city advocates, uh, architects who want, you know, nice cities, all of the different voices out there should be pushing. If they can't get a seat at the table, at least tell these people, look, there is a dystopian future ahead if you extrapolate from the technology you're talking about. These, these beacons you're talking about sound fantastic on paper. You start thinking about, yes, you've got to chip every single animal in the world at the same time. And then it becomes, oh, hang on. That's not such a rosy future, is it? I think more of that needs to happen. So we need we need to be discussing these issues much more with these companies before our futures are actually decided by governments. So governments really ought to be listening, in effect, to the people rather than the companies. And thank you to Carlton Reid for that thought-provoking interview. What sort of future do you want? One where we have free human movement or one that's kind of... uh, shoved over the top of us by um, well-meaning but clueless tech bros. Thank you to listening, if you've been listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. Our podcast shall be up uh, later today on uh, 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to our website which is yarrabug.org forward slash radio. Don't forget to subscribe or donate to 3CR. And uh, up next is... Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.